0: And welcome to another episode of the Salt Lake 2002 Retrospective Podcast, a back of house look at the planning and delivery of the Salt Lake 2002 Olympic Winter and Paralympic Winter Games, as told by the very people who organized them. I'm Christian Napier, and today I am joined by Craig Udian. And Craig and I not only work together in Salt Lake, but uh, afterwards in Athens as well. And it's been a long time, Craig, but I'm super happy to have you join the podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm pretty good. I mean, considering uh, everything that's going on, it's it's really great to be here. I remember I was having a look on on LinkedIn. You know, we've 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 every now and then you and I check in with each other. And I was having a look back in in April that we and you had just done uh, I think the fifth episode, and here we are. You know, a couple of months later, still working at home. I haven't uh, been into my office. Uh, since march i was actually in salt lake just before that just when this all started and got back and had to go into two weeks self-isolation um so it's it's certainly been an interesting time having kids at home and trying to juggle doing work and and uh and school um yeah something something that will be added to the history books and talking about in a long time
0: all right, well, there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, where is home? Where are you?
1: So I'm actually, I'm in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I moved out here in 2007, although at that time I was still in process of, of my U.S. citizenship. So I actually was living in Washington State and and crossing the border every day. Um, I came up in 2007 to work with VanOck with uh, the 2010 10 games. And then... Uh, got married and, and uh, 2011, when, when we finally closed up all the, all the work with, um, I was still with Contemporary International or, or uh, Contemporary Canada at the time, and, uh, and uh, we decided, hey, it's, you know, it's potentially time to hang up and get off the Olympic train and, uh, and stick in one place. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in Vancouver, Canada, long, long answer to a sh- short question.
0: Well, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you were able to successfully disembark the, the games train. Now, what are you doing? Uh, Professionally, you were able to get off that train. So you're living in Canada. What are you, what are you doing for your job?
1: It was actually an interesting transition because I think uh, when I finished in 2011, it was more of a question like, what is it that I actually do? Um, What is it that I I did with the Olympics um, that I can translate into into real life and and get a real job or, you know, something that's that's that is more stable that that's in one place. And I I went back and forth and trying to figure out, well, I guess I'm a project manager. And so, um, so that's kind of where I headed off. Um, I was with a mining company for seven years after that. And then for the last two years, I'm working with, uh, a Dutch company that does uh, baggage handling systems for the airport. Um, they do stuff, um, for Amazon and, and uh, a bunch of other companies all over the world, they're, they're, they're quite a large company. And, um, but the majority of our projects are with, with the airport here. And so it has been. It has been pretty quiet. Um, fortunately, still working, been able to 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 juggle that that home life and, and work, but uh, been able to 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 stick with it
0: um, here in uh, in Vancouver. Now you mentioned that you speaking of the home life. You mentioned that you have uh, two children. Are they school age, and how has their daily routine been impacted by COVID?
1: yeah so um, my oldest just turned 10 and and my youngest is is, is five. he'll be uh, six in in October and uh, it's certainly been an interesting for them my, my my oldest is is very techy he's he's got weekly classes, had weekly classes on on Microsoft teams and and, uh, and is up on that and and generally able to keep up with the, with the work himself. My 5 year old in kindergarten. And needs more of the the one on one time. So it's been a been that's what's really been a juggle between my wife and herself and myself. She's a high school English teacher, so she's also going to continue with uh, with her teaching and checking in with students. Um, the schools did go back a couple of days a week at the beginning of June, and at that time we decided well it would really only be six days before the end of the the, the school year, and decided it would the risk wise we we just keep them at home. But it has been that that juggle to. I mean, they they're fine. <laughs> Probably a lot more screen time than 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 otherwise. But but generally doing okay. You know, we we missed. Fortunately, we've been able to see grandparents and things like that now, which uh, in, the, in the in the last several weeks, which you know was very very limited to online and telephones before that. But very very strange time. It's very you know we. Gotta remember to grow, grab your mask every time you leave the house and things like that which which they're pretty good about and and uh but uh, um really a weird time very surreal in the, in the beginning
0: it is a weird time sometimes i wonder is this some kind of alternate reality or something i mean it's very very odd Uh, Nobody really expected us to be living the way that we're living now, but hopefully the crisis will abate and we'll be able to return to some sense of normalcy at some point in time.
1: An interesting, interesting, uh, side note, you know, we we talked about getting off the Olympic train in in 2015, I actually, um, had been speaking with Mike Lloyd, who was, was one of the founders there, contemporary international and, and Paris Kokonis. They were in Azerbaijan with the, uh, with the uh european games and uh, they invited me to come up there for three or four weeks i think it was to or for the actual games time and i took some time off work and 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 did that and uh and i was there you know a couple of days and i was i said i was saying to myself you know it's really great that that i can see all these people i haven't seen you know because these had become my family and uh and but but i said to myself I really remember why I didn't want to do this anymore because you're just you're just working and you're on all the time. I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't know if that is worth it. I do miss it, like when when the Olympics are on and things like that. I do miss that involvement. I miss that that high of seeing of having worked such a long time for something and then to actually see it come to life. Um, but it was the actual when you're actually in it. It was like. Oh, I'm working all the time. I'm maybe getting too old for this.
0: Well, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way on that one. I'm with you all the way on that one. Uh, it can be incredibly stressful, and a lot of that also depends on the particular organizing committee that you're working with and the the, the country that you're working in. But um, uh, in any environment, it's it's uh, definitely challenging. Well, let's talk about the environment of Salt Lake. So. That was, you know, twenty years ago or so, um, and uh, Salt Lake wasn't your first game. So why don't you tell us about what you were doing before the Salt Lake uh, 2002 games and how you ended up in Salt Lake City?
1: Well, I was very fortunate. I, I um, the Sydney Games was my was my first games just before Salt Lake, and um, I had met the team from Contemporary International at kind of their trial event, which was uh, called the uh, the Royal Easter Show at Sydney Olympic Park. And I never expected to, to go down that route. Um, and and they um, they invited me to come in and I, I mean, essentially I started by counting people in a square and doing some pedestrian analysis and slowly built from there. And um, Richard Besmer, who was the other partner in, in Contemporary International had uh, come out to Salt Lake a year, year and a half before Sydney games to start uh, building things there. And so when we, when, as we reached the end of the Sydney games, it was, it was clear that that contemporary had this contract to provide construction services, event services in Salt Lake. And there was a core group of us that, that were invited if we were interested to come in. And so on the first, it was the 1st of December, 2000. Um, I arrived with uh, with Anne Marie Emer and uh, Andrew Rutledge and, and uh, moved into the the Courtyard Marriott there on I think uh, West West Second 200 uh, 200 South I think it was and uh, and to start building the team Richard Be- as I said, Richard Besmer was already there for, been for some time but uh, I think I mean the first thing I remembered was like. Relatively little traffic, wide open streets, clean, uh, really friendly people, and so it was. not it, um, it wasn't a shock kind of thing. It was. It, I think it was a little bit different to what we expected, um, knowing the the um, in terms of, of the heritage of of Salt Lake and 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 um, uh, the, the the predominant faith. We expected uh, it to be a, essentially a lot more conservative, but we were then so we were very pleasantly surprised. I mean, especially coming from Australia, where you know you could walk to any corner and get yourself a beer, or you know there's coffee shops all over the place. Um, but but we look back on it, and I've spoken to, to a lot of people that it was really one of the best experiences um, and one of the greatest places that we've that we've lived um, in doing this the Olympic stuff.
0: Well, you mentioned that, uh, well, before we started the podcast that you'd listened to Todd's Todd Severson's uh, podcast and you know, Todd's situation was a little bit different because he was not part of contemporary international in Sydney. He joined later, but you came through contemporary international right from Sydney. Uh, over to here, and you also had the benefit of not coming alone. You mentioned you came with some colleagues, so I'm wondering if you can just spend a moment uh, to tell us about, you know, some of those people that you worked with in Salt Lake who I got to know either in Salt Lake or in or in Athens, who I just thought were wonderful, wonderful people to work with. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I think so. You know, um, we we're also young. I was chatting with Anne Marie last night uh, online. And we're talking about, you know, 18 years ago, we were all so young and it was so different. And so much of life has happened since then. Um, you know, family and she's, she, she ended up getting married to, to, to Craig Holland, to, who was chasing her from day one. And he started in Salt Lake. And I think very much like, like Todd was saying is that, I mean, I, I left, uh, um, Australia thinking I'm going to go and work in Salt Lake and then I'll be back. And then, you know, in a year, two years time, I'll be back in Australia. And I have never, and I haven't lived in Australia since. Um, and, and you leave your family and you build this new family. And so Anne-Marie and I actually were were flatmates together, but we started building that stronger team because there were, there were more, you know, Todd joined Lachlan Clark, Callum, um, you know, a bunch of names that, that really became your, your family. Callum's still in, 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 uh, living in park city and i actually saw him the beginning of march when i was in salt lake for a for a work few days for for work and ended up seeing richard and, and and callum but really those people became your family and um you know through through all of the changes they're still there if you if you need them it's uh it's 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 a very interesting thing as opposed to i think a very different environment where you may have worked in a company for a long time, but when you're not there, those people are are essentially gone. But these ones, they're they're still there. They're still, you know, you can just reach out and 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 it's like it was yesterday.
0: I have a feeling that sometimes people underestimate the impact that the Australian contingent had on organizing the games. I think, um, but Sydney is not Salt Lake. Did you have did no. you have to make any adaptations? Um, two things because a summer versus a winter games and a games in Salt Lake versus a games in Sydney, you know, as you were looking at kind of the planning and preparations that we were doing, were there any, uh, course corrections you had to make any kinds of adjustments you had to make to the, to the work that you guys were doing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember anything particular that that jumps out, but I do remember being in Sydney and there were a lot of people from the U.S. that came, came to, to the Sydney games and we were always like, stop, stop telling us how you did it. You know, this is, this is, this is how this is, this is Australia. We do things differently. Um, and so I think a lot of that was in our minds coming into Salt Lake that we don't want to come in and say, this is how you should do it. And, and I think Todd alluded to that a little bit in that you have to adapt to, to the environment. Now, certainly you don't want to reinvent the wheel every time there's there's a certain way that things work and unless you can find some great idea of how to reinvent those then don't but don't come in and say you know better than everybody else um and it was a it was a very different environment i think you know the the games in 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 australia was very much uh, government funded and in, the, in Salt Lake, except after 9-11, um, it was very much a private enterprise. And so um, that political interference was, was, was quite different. Um, and, um, you know, I always think that if, if there was anything that, that Mitt and, and, and Fraser did extremely well was raising money was the ability to, to sell the idea and sell the games that there wasn't a reliance on the government to come in and, and bail out, um, you know, holes in, in budgets and things like that, that left the legacy that I was actually discussing with Callum when I was there of, you know, the, the, the Utah Olympic Park and things like that, that are still living on that legacy. Um, and so I think that, that the environment just allowed us, it was very welcoming. It allowed us to, to adapt and to, you know, we, we um, the majority of our team was, was local. We did have, you know, some people from, from Australia that ended up joining us and, and um, but, it was it was such a welcoming environment because when I think of, you know, us working in, in Athens, it was very, very different. And it was more of a battle every day to try and get things done. I didn't I didn't find that in Salt Lake.
0: Craig, you mentioned 9-11 there uh, and it did have some impact. Well, it had impacts on everybody in the organization, but uh, yeah. for your area, uh, what were the impacts? I know Todd talked about it uh, uh, somewhat, but for your role specifically, um, how did it impact what you were doing?
1: Well, I think for for my role, not significantly. I mean, it was I think, you know, when 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 anybody is asked about Salt Lake, that's one of the first things that that comes into your mind. Um, how things changed. Where were you? Um um so my role in essentially I was I was in charge of resources and technology for that event services group. So essentially when I when people asked me, well, what, what does that mean? I said, Well, if you take the people out of a venue and you turn the venue upside down, anything that falls out is essentially that 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 event services needed was kind of under my purview. So like in, in Olympic speakers, E, uh furniture, fittings and equipment and technology. So Barricades and ticket and and uh, uh, ticket taker aprons and counters and megaphones and batteries and flashlights and and all that stuff, um, as well as you know we had we had a soft software, software application for for uh, building uh, dot diagrams and things like that to help out supervisors and and team leaders. All of that stuff kind of was under under my role, and then so essentially we still needed all that stuff once the secret service came in and um, and essentially was was running that that security portion. Um, um, it had grown we had grown somewhat because just before that we had actually amalgamated with the securities department of SLOC that essentially up to that point had been had been separate. They amalgamated with 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 event services and then 9-11 happened and that changed more. But it had grown then because now we had a provide for that, those departments as well. Um, but certainly, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the I guess, you know, one of the most significant things when you think of Salt Lake is like, okay, well that, you know, 9-11 happened then. Where was I? What 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 do I remember?
0: You mentioned that you were responsible for resources and technology. Any particular challenges either securing the resources or deploying the technologies?
1: Um it's interesting that that because I was trying to remember like you know, we, we had we had the Internet, we were online, but we didn't have the, the social media and things like that that we that we have today. Um, and then when I think about the, I don't remember the significant battles because I, I remember, you know, from later years certainly in Athens and Torino, the battles of trying to get get the resources that we need. And and I don't remember it being as tough in, in Salt Lake. I think, you know, with any organizing committee, we have to we have to justify what, what we need. But I don't remember it as being a as being a real battle. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the, the the stories that I that I uh that I need that I that I truly remember is that um there was a uh going to be a, a pyrotechnics exhibition or something and it, and it was potentially a competition of who was going to do the pyro at opening ceremonies and uh, for some reason it, it leaked it uh, uh you know we didn't we didn't really have twitter but for some reason it landed up getting the papers and 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 into the uh, onto the radio and uh so sometime that morning through you know through senior management we got told event services you have to manage this today to, you know it was that night we don't know how many people are going to just turn up and uh and uh, we don't know what it's going to look like but essentially you got to manage it and this was kind of guerrilla event management we had to sort of do that whole organizing thing within within the day pull it together and everybody really got on it you know everybody was part of that team you know Todd, just repeats saying all the ways one team one tent it really it really was like that because everybody pulled together and and it was one of the one of those magic moments that that I actually had noted down for later. That I that I remember that we were able to pull all this together. I remember, you know, going to to the logistics warehouse and then swapping my car and, and driving out there to, to I can't remember exactly where it was in, in a in a truck with the, the suspension seats. I remember bouncing up and down in, the, in this in this truck because I managed. You know, everybody pulled together and we were able to. To, to pull that off within, within with very little notice.
0: That's an amazing story. It makes me wonder um, what you actually did during games. You know, you, if you're responsible for resources and technology, a, that's a lot of planning work that's going into it and making sure that everybody's got the, the FF&E that they need to deliver on their operation. But during games time, were you in the mock were you in the functional area command or were you stationed out at a venue where where did you actually spend your time during the games themselves
1: um so there was always the backup of yep we need more stuff you know there was but always have the phone or the radio radio handy but essentially i landed up just being sort of an operational support person wherever was needed i remember you know the story of at, at utah olympic park being at the venue at Four o'clock in the morning as it was a, a ski jump day and it was really windy that day and it kept getting kept getting postponed i remember how cold it was just how bitterly cold and all these these volunteers sleeping in the tent kind of thing because we got the people in had to get them out got them in again get it get them out um and so i and generally i hopped between between venues just in terms of what was needed i was um in uh, in the uh, the it was, was it, Rice, for the for the hockey finals, um, but never really watched anything. <laughs> you know, it's always are always kind of in the background. But yeah, essentially it was like an operational support of when, whenever it was needed, and and uh, they expected you know bigger crowds or things like that to to go and uh, and and help out where where wherever wherever it was needed. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's funny. Some people get. I won't say stuck, but they get assigned to a single venue and they spend their entire games experience pretty much working at that venue and, and others get to rove around. And I was in that latter situation and I was glad that I was because I got to see more things and not when I see more things, I'm not talking about the events themselves, the competitions necessarily, but got to see more of the operation out of the various venues. So that was a, for me, uh, a great learning. And speaking of learning, you come out of that Salt Lake Games. Are there certain lessons that you learned through your time there in Salt Lake that helped you down the road, whether it was in Athens and Torino or Vancouver or even in the work that you're doing now?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I was saying before, the ability to put yourself in the place and not to come in and say, this is how we did it and this is how you should do it. Um, um and to really take that in, I mean, it it is very different. And I've mentioned a couple of times, and you you know, we were there in in Athens, battling it out every day, um, because you couldn't get it, you couldn't get it through saying this is how it needs to be done, or trying to work within the system, their system, and 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 it was just it was just still a battle, um, but. I think you know one of the things that that was mentioned in some in some of the other episodes as well is just that that f- family and that bond that you built with the people, and and I think often when you when you think back, it's what did you build? You built you built this this network of 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 connections and this uh, external family that that is that I think you know in terms of effect, it's it's the longer effect than trying to focus on what what did I what work element did I actually learn? Um because you know some of that it just fades in and you you, you know you do some you do something now and you're like I don't you know I don't necessarily remember where I where that came from. But those connections um it, it's really you're like, yeah, we met in salt lake we met in 2000 we met in 2001 or whatever it was and uh, and and you know those are the things i think that you 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 really take from from that experience
0: i totally agree i totally agree craig it's important to learn academic things or techniques that will help you in your job later on in life or learn how to use new tools but for me the most important thing is the relationships and certainly Salt Lake was a was a great place to form really meaningful relationships with people and for many of those people uh, those relationships have lasted for decades Before we get to our home stretch and our assignments, I know Craig, you have prepared extensively. You've got your list of things there. Any particular stories that you've got on your list that you want to share before we get to our final assignments?
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned that, that sort of that guerrilla um, um, event management of, of that, that moment of trying to to pull together this, this team and and all the stuff needed for this, for this one event. Um, I, you know, like I was chatting with, with, with AM with Anne-Marie last night and we were talking about different things. I mean there were there there were so many moments. I don't I don't think and I and it's hard to, to to pick on just one because you often you remember I remember um the end of end of opening ceremonies and and people moved not quite the way we expected and there was some there was some gates and I, I remember a couple of us you know kind of jumping on these on these on these gates that we had to t- open some other gates on on one of the rows outside uh rice echoes there um and you know we, we learn from that do a different a different closing um i remember you know one of the great stories i think really uh you know and and then it lands up involving uh, some food as well i think the first um Sort of take out food that we that the Anne Marie and, and Andrew and I had when, after we arrived. We had, we had ordered a pizza, you know. We were staying at this the Courtyard of Marriott there, and we ordered a pizza. And I can't remember for some reason we were able to track. You know, I don't remember where the guy was, and we were watching kind of this guy go round and round. And anyway, then eventually he brings he comes in and this it's this huge cheese pizza, but it has like just these pieces of fresh sliced tomato. Just layered on top of this pizza that you couldn't even see the cheese anymore, and I, I just, I we were, it, was, it was so funny for us. I mean, it was a, it was one of the things that we that we that stands out in terms of a, a memory. It's like, do you remember that huge pizza just with the with the with the tomatoes <laughs> layered over the top of it? Um, I was I was very fortunate. I lived very close to to the office, um, um and was able to walk walk into work um most days and uh, along main street and i was i was actually in salt lake i mentioned before we started um beginning of march just before COVID all started and i was i was i was floored i was really amazed at the change it's it's the same but different um it's it's and i think you know probably a lot of that is owed to salt lake and getting salt lake put on the map but it's it's um it's vibrant. It's busy. There's, 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 you know, there's, there's that new mall, um, and, uh, rest, tons of restaurants and things like that. But thing things that you still, that you still really recognize. I stayed in, in the hotel, just across the road from the, from the Wells Fargo building, where we worked. And, uh, and could, you know, we, uh, when I was walking around with, uh, with people, I was like, that's where I used to work. And, and, uh, um, you know the cauldron is right there. It 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 was really amazing to to be there, and it and the the, the memories just just flood back, kind of thing. But it, I was really impressed, and it was it's certainly you know somewhere I came back and I said, you know they're they're bidding for this again. What do you think? <laughs> Um, there so are a lot of see, us that are thinking, yeah, well <laughs> I mean, you know, they say can we you get can, it one more time. Yeah. I mean, they say you could never go home. It wouldn't it won't be the same. But I mean it it's it was a really great place to live. Um and and I don't and I I don't think I would, you know, other than family and, and so forth, it, it it would be a very different decision, but but uh but certainly um some something I would I would consider.
0: Yeah, you're right. The city has changed and it's grown quite a bit. There's, there's a lot of new construction. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's all new. I mean, because it's been a long time since you lived in Salt Lake City, but yeah. but the downtown area has certainly grown uh, quite a bit since uh, the Salt Lake 2002 games. And it is exciting to see uh, all of that growth. All right, well, Craig, this has been a lot of fun, and I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule there from home in Vancouver to join us, to take us out. We've got the three questions for you. The uh, first question is about music. So, Craig, uh, any particular songs that you hear today they take yeah. you right back to Salt Lake, two thousand two? I
1: think I think while there's not a particular song, I think um, one of the things that I really remember is I think you two came to to Salt Lake uh, in that in that time. And I remember uh, many people from the team, Fiona, Jessica, Tammy Sue, they're all getting online and, and ready to, to buy those tickets, um, you know, a bunch. And they, and they, you know, they were all plugging away and they landed up with uh, 80 tickets um, because, you know, they were all like, okay, I gotta get, and you can get five or get 10 or whatever it was. And so I remember, I remember a lot of YouTube being played and I remember them coming afterwards. I'm like, what are they gonna do with 80 tickets? And certainly they, you know, they managed to to share them around and so forth. But you know, I remember that. I remember um Dave Gray, we 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 went to see a a, a concert out there. And so it's 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 those uh, bands and 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 individuals that, that you remember over of any one song that I remember today. Um and so, yeah, so those were some, you know, it was very <laughs> fun times. All right. Well, that's
0: awesome. We've got some U2 on the playlist already. We have a Spotify playlist so listeners can go on and see all the yeah. songs that people have chosen <laughs> so far. And it's a, getting to be a very long list. I might actually have to split it into two lists here eventually because the list is getting quite long. But uh, David Gray, we can we can throw some David Gray on there as well. Very good. Now let's talk about food. Any particular restaurant? I mean, you had the pizza experience yeah, that you <laughs> talked about already with the tomatoes covering all of the cheese. But uh, any particular restaurants that you like to frequent when you lived here in Salt Lake City?
1: Um, well, staying at the at the at that uh, that Marriott there, we had we had Squatters, just you know, not that far, and actually ate there again. Still there, um, uh, ate there again in, in the beginning of March, and and uh, it was packed really really busy um and you know there, there, there's so i think you know i think certainly that was one because i remember you know i remember um um eating there quite a bit um for you know for lunches and things like that is it, it was likely the globe and things like that was right across the road which was essentially our coffee spot there wasn't many starbucks around kind of thing that was that was the, the coffee spot walking down from from uh, down main they used to Often stop in at Einstein's and get you know have breakfast bagel or or uh, have lunch there. Um, those those are probably the, the the few big ones that 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 stick out.
0: Excellent. I've got to put squatters on the map, so we'll do that. We've we've got a little map on my website, and uh, all the restaurants that everybody's chosen are pinned onto that map. So people, once the COVID pandemic subsides and we can start getting out to restaurants again, uh, people can go in and frequent those restaurants. And certainly, you know, maybe we can make a little restaurant tour next time you're back here in Salt Lake City, Craig. Okay. You've already touched on some heartwarming moments, but, uh, or magic moments, as you rightly said. What is your goosebump moment on your list?
1: I think, I mean, it was hard to put, put uh, put this down and, and I was trying to, you know, to to jog memories in, in, in the chat that I had with with Anne-Marie. And, and um, but but, um, you know, one of the things there that uh, that that really stands stands out is is the family that we built kind of thing. And so Anne-Marie and I had met in in Sydney and worked together in Sydney. Um, but we landed up becoming flatmates um, and um, and that that friendship has continued, has continued today. I met, you know, Wendy, um, Wendy Ennis, who is now Wendy Kukonis. That friendship still lands up today. Um, and so I think I think they, they again, that goosebump bump moment is that that we were able to do this, that's that. that this was for many of us our first um venture into setting up a life outside of home and realizing we can do this we can you know and and many went on and you know, are still doing it today um and um many have, have got off that train and are now settled in a in a single place but that that knowledge that, you know, I can do this. And if I needed to do, I could do it again. Um, that's that still lives there. And and that's that's something that's uh, that's irreplaceable.
0: That's very, very well said, Craig. I appreciate you finishing us off on that note. Now, Craig, like I said at the beginning, it's been a lot of fun uh, walking down memory lane with all of our guests and also with you. If people want to reconnect with you in some way on social media or otherwise, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, probably LinkedIn. You know, that's 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 the biggest one. I think that's how, how you and I have, have have maintained contact and things like that since since Athens. And um, that's probably the, the the biggest one. I I'm on Twitter these days a little bit, but but LinkedIn is probably probably the biggest one. All my contact information is there, and certainly I've. Having listened to some of the, some of the other episodes I've actually reached out, I, I, I uh, sent a message to Todd say, Hey, we're just listening to you. And it's so nice to hear your voice. And, uh, have you found your torch yet? Um, and the same thing to, 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 to Lisa Waddell just, you know, said, said hi. And so I think that's, that's the easiest one and, and just reach out and people get back. I did the same thing to Bev and I see a message popping up on my, uh, on my on my uh, one of the tabs here, so that 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 she responded, and uh, the company that I work for is actually based in Atlanta. Their head office for North America is based in Atlanta, so that gun kind of reminds me, like, okay, next time I'm down there, I need I need to give have a call and 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 grab dinner or something. But uh, um, yeah, LinkedIn.
0: Fantastic. You can reach out to Craig on LinkedIn. Very good. Craig, again, thank you so much for the time. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll join you again next week. Craig, thank you so much. Thank you, Christian.
1: It's been been a pleasure.